Hey listeners, it's Andrea. Today, we take a deep dive into Deja Vu. We start a petition to change Groundhog Day's name, and we ask the question, what weird stuff do you have in your house? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking Season 5, Episode 18, Cause and Effect. One of my favorites of all time. Oh my God, I can't wait to talk about this. Same. I am so excited to talk about this episode with you. It's got all of the things. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) This episode was written by Brandon Braga and directed by Jonathan Frakes. Another one knocking out of the park absolutely killing so here's what's happening in cause and effect the enterprise is caught in a temporal causality loop which results in the destruction of the ship and the loss of all hands after a collision with the uss bozeman as events reoccur they begin to feel a sense of deja vu and upon investigating realize their predicament oh okay what are your initial thoughts on this yeah so that summary does not do this episode justice but that's okay. no not even close that's okay because if you're listening to our episode right now you probably already watched this episode and if you haven't highly recommend going back watching the episode and then coming back to listen to mm-hmm. us because this is not a skipper this is this is like a stick with her right here. yes this is a repeater um this, this is, is it yes this is one of my favorite episodes of all of tng and it makes sense because i kind of i always love groundhog day type storylines where you get mm-hmm. to see the same events, but from different characters' perspectives. I always oh, get a kick brilliant. out of that. So this episode, like, love, love, love. What are your initial thoughts? Um, I In my notes, I wrote, yay, I love this one. Because it's got everything. It's got action, mystery, a cool Elkar's diagram explaining what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's got everything. It's got everything. Um, it's. I was thinking about it in terms of, like, oh, it's Groundhog Day in space. Except that the movie Groundhog Day came out a year after this. So I'm going to go ahead and start a petition to rename Groundhog Day Cause and Effect on Earth. Okay? <laughs> like that's I, I feel like maybe we can rename. We can we can get some momentum behind this and rename that one. <laughs> but this, this episode was super cool. Um, I read some stuff from behind the scenes, as I usually do. And Jonathan Frakes was talking about how... Um, you know, he was getting all ready to like direct and he got the script and he read it through and he's like, I read act one. Okay. Act two was the same as act one. Act three was the same as act one. Act four, act five. He was like, I thought that I was being like punked (laughs) to the writers. And he was like, very funny. Ha ha. Like, what's the actual story? And they're like, no, that's, that is the story. Um, so I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. But he also had to, you know, um, he was directed to like make sure that it didn't feel like a clip show. Yeah. And Which, you know, in the nineties girl, remember clip shows that was all the rage. And didn't we all feel ripped off every time there was an effing clip show. We're like, mm-hmm. man, why didn't you just say there were 24 episodes instead of 25? Come yeah. on. Um, So he, Rick Berman was like, make sure it doesn't feel like a clip show. So you need to like capture lots of different angles of the same thing happening. So a lot of the cameras uh, or a lot of scenes had like three cameras filming at once to just like capture the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, over and over in different ways. And I thought that was super duper cool. Yeah. And another thing is when this episode started, um, I was like, oh my gosh, this has got to be the most intense start to any episode with mm-hmm. the exception of Best of Both Worlds Part 2 
where we thought Riker was going to fire on Locutus of Borg. Yes. But then it was like very anticlimactic because like nothing happened. Um, so yeah. it was like, very, it was like sort of intense for about 10 seconds. And then you were like, wait, what? It was just confusing. But this one, I was like, holy cow, this has got to be mm-hmm. the most exciting opening. I'm hooked. I would have come back from the commercial break if we were doing commercials back in the day. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have moved an inch. Yeah. So this, they actually, the writers talked about this where they're like, we wanted to make the most intense teaser for all of TNG. And you're right. Best of both worlds. Part two was look, you know, with Riker saying Mr. War fire. And then it was like, some like deflector dish stuff that did nothing. You're like, oh, dang it. And then of course, you know, they were like, uh, nothing happened, sir. And that was it. But like this, I mean, let's just get into it. This episode starts off with like the, the view of like the right warp nacelle, like exploding. So the ship is damaged. There's gases and fumes everywhere. The music is so freaking suspenseful. Mm-hmm. They're like, we got to do an emergency core shutdown. Antimatter containment is like compromised. We have to eject the core. And then, you know, Data's like uh, core ejection offline. It's like, oh, my God. And then and then the warp missile blows out completely and sends the ship into a doom spiral. I was like, oh, my God. And you just see everyone scrambling. Everyone's falling over. There's fire everywhere. People are jumping. People are hitting panels like crazy. And Picard's like, abandoned ship. Abandoned ship. Boom. Boom, and the entire Enterprise blows up. And you're like, what the F? And then it's like, duh, duh. Yeah, space. Like, what? The what final the frontier. F- I was like, what the F? Music right now. How can, what? And then it comes back and it's just like, captain's log. Like nothing ever happened. And you're kind of like, what is what? Because it doesn't say, yes. it doesn't say at the bottom, like 24 hours earlier or something exactly. like that. Exactly. It just, it just, it just starts. It just starts. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay and then they're playing poker and you're like okay and then you know as we find out it gets back to the explosion and then you're like oh but like this opening this this was the most fire opening of all time of all time um so yeah picard says all hands abandoned ship repeat all hands abandoned and the whole thing just blows and as he's saying abandoned ship part of the bridge panels catch on fire i was Mm -hmm. like oh my god like oh you can it you can feel so it. Good. You can feel you can feel it. You can feel the fear. And also, because the ship ex- explodes when Picard is halfway through saying "abandon ship" the second time, mm-hmm. you just get this sense that absolutely no one was able to abandon ship in time. No, you just get this sense that I Not mean, even and, close. and if there's a warp core breach, you have to like warp away from a ship that's about to do a warp core breach. And none of those escape pods would be able to do that. They just gotta mm-hmm. get you know shot out at whatever mm-hmm. you know impulse speed or whatever the heck. Not even yeah. impulse. They probably like barely have any momentum it's just for them to get away from the ship if it's crashing or whatnot so Mm -hmm. you just get the sense that every single person on the enterprise is gone yeah one thousand plus yeah next scene boom captain's log and everyone's alive again yes yes so we come back from the intro and we start off with the what we would expect to open an episode with Captain's log star date 45652.1. The Enterprise has entered an area of space known as the Typhon Expanse. They are the first Starfleet vessel to chart the unexplored region. I was like, huh? What about, but five minutes ago, (laughs) but all right. So it's a poker scene. Um, It's nice to see Data's super speed on display. He's like shuffling all hyperspeed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's fun. Got Data as the dealer once again. 
Data as the dealer is really fun because he says things like, you know, Queen for the doctor, Jack, still no help for the Klingon. Like he says, yeah, he, he like says that. all the stuff like, that a dealer would say, but with absolutely no emotion. And it is so much fun to watch. Did we ever talk about the last time we saw him do do uh be the dealer? Did we ever talk about the purpose of that visor? What's the point of that? Yes, we did talk about it. Something about deflecting glare and stuff. And I think we but also only talked for the about- dealer. Oh, I don't know, but okay. I remember talking to you in a previous episode, like three seasons back, probably four seasons back, that that visor that they used mm-hmm. sold for like th- tens of thousands of dollars for, <laughs> you know, to a collector. And I was like, oh my God, where do you put such a thing? Anyway, I was just wondering, uh, like, uh, if you've got that kind of money, you know, you walk into somebody's house and they've got like a, a data mannequin that's wearing yes. that thing. And it's like, it's super creepy. So you're like, that would be cool, except... Um, it's creepy yeah it would be cool and also be creepy but i'll tell you what i i would probably visit that person's house i'd probably be like is that the original oh but like i probably wouldn't be friends with that person so i don't know um yeah (laughs) yeah 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 and you know what i will tell you i I went on a date once with a guy like years ago and we went hiking and we went back to his place just to kind of like refresh and we were going to go to dinner and girl i walked into his house and i don't know why but he had an entire row (laughs) of airline seats in his living room and i was like <laughs> what the fuck it was so weird and he had like cardboard mannequins in some of them and i was like what the fuck is this and i think he had a roommate and i think they were his roommates because the guy was not super weird but the room i was like dude what is this so i did what anybody would do i sat in them for a minute and then i let myself go home <laughs> i was like i'm going to just go ahead and go this is weird like why do you have an entire row? And they weren't even first class seats. They were economies. So they were like really <laughs> shitty seats. Just so even many in questions. someone's living room, those seats still suck. <laughs> even more so when you have decent seating options. It was awful. And it was like two rows of them. So it was really like you sit and you're staring at the back of a economy seat i'm like this is not a model of a good okay oh my god who decided this was cool decor and why do you have that like listeners what random shit do you guys have in your house that wouldn't seem normal info at the tngpodcast.com because i want to know yeah is it weirder than two rows of airline seats please email us and if you have pictures (laughs) we'll take that too um just as long as it's not of a sexual nature because those pictures kind of uh annoy me sometimes um, yep. So Andre and I have been friends for over 10 years and I've never heard that story before. And that was just like, <laughs> I totally forgot about that, that guy. So that was everything. Okay. Well, so you, we're- know, you know what did put me over the edge with that guy is when we were hiking, I asked him what time it was. And he was like, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. He goes, I don't do time. And I was like, what does that mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> I was dating, I was a dating, I was dating a guy once when we were walking. It was in college. We were walking somewhere. And I was going to take a shortcut like over this hill because there was like Mm -hmm. one little, it was at UCLA. So there's like one little staircase of like four steps, but Mm -hmm. then there's like a whole, you know, five blocks of just like a hill, like a little grassy hill. So I was going to walk over the hill instead of like going to find that one little staircase. And he was like, um, what, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm walking to the sidewalk. And he was like, you don't want to take the stairs over there. And I was like, we could, but like the hills right here, is there some reason Mm -hmm. you don't want to do the hill? And he was like, well, I don't do dirt. And I was like, you don't do dirt. So you only walk on concrete is what you're saying. He's like, mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, wow. you okay. are so not my kind of guy. 
I mean, that, I, I, mean, tell I literally you. was like, wow. Okay, we can take the stairs. Yeah, we can, go, guy, we can go all the way over And the guy the who doesn't do time should get together and probably be friends. That they would have time. everything or nothing to talk about. <laughs> they don't do talking, so it'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> airline seats. Who the fuck has airline seats in their living room? And not I mean, one robot, too. And I love how you're like, the seats were terrible, even in the like, <laughs> bad seats. Like, <laughs> what? What 22 year old guy was like, yeah, this will bring the chicks in. Oh my Fucking gosh. airline seats. Oh gosh. Where did you get F? those from? Like, it's just, I it's don't a- even know. Somebody who listens must work in like airlines or something and must be like, oh yeah, they auction these off or whatever the F. I don't know, but hopefully we'll get some emails in on that one. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to the episode. we're back so we're in this poker scene watching data as the dealer which i love and as data's going around passing the cards there's this one spot where um data says like you know uh, um dr crusher just letting you know that because you know the bet goes to you because you have the high card or whatever and i love the way beverly looks at him as data's mansplaining this to her and it's just like Mm -hmm. thank you data Mm -hmm. like the most f you thank you i've ever seen come out of beverly's mouth of like i understand the game and i know what's going on now thankfully this is data so he's not being condescending at all he's literally just being like hey did you forget maybe she forgot i don't know but Mm -hmm. like yeah, but like a lot of people would do something like this, I feel like to Beverly, and they would not have forgotten. Like they would just be yes. being dicks. So I just yes. love the way that she's like, Yes, I understand. And she calls Riker's bluff and she just cleans up. And this was just a really fun game. To, and I and I wasn't sure if we were gonna finish this game too, because I think our last game it they got called away or whatever. And so I wasn't sure if we were gonna finish this game and see who actually yes. won. So I was glad that we got that little bit of closure to see that Beverly like killed it. That was fun. Totally, totally. I love, I love watching this. I love watching Data as the dealer, um, or as the croupier. I think that's what they're called. Like, I think, although I think it's blackjack and certain things are. I don't, I don't really know, but I love seeing him as a dealer. He's really fun. All of his little like, still no help for the Klingon, mm-hmm. and Worf kind of looks at him like, "Excuse me." Yeah. Um. Now, Beverly does get called away into sick bay because Jordy has come in. He's experiencing a lot of dizziness and headaches. Um, he almost pulled an emperor from Star Wars and dove to the bottom of the warp core, you know, like at the end yeah. of Return of the Jedi when Darth Vader just tosses him down there. Right. And I was like, guys oh, like God. that crossover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought I, when he said that, I was like, that's terrifying. Like that is mm-hmm. absolutely terrifying. Maybe you guys need some like mag like boots, a safety like railing other or ships something? have. Yeah. Or a safety railing or maybe like a little um like a hook around your belt so you or don't something. fall into the warp core. A glass? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, because he's like, thank God Ensign so-and-so was there because it's it's a, yeah, it's a long way down to the bottom of the warp core. And I was like, and that's why we need a railing. Um, But Beverly tests him and she stops herself. She's like, I... I feel like we've discussed this before. And Jordy's like, mm, I don't, I don't think so. So she's like, okay. Um, Now, later in her quarters, Beverly shows us that she's a horticulturist with a serious fashion flair for leisure wear, girl, because she has on a pink, like kimono-y outfit, like almost like a pant and a shirt set mm-hmm. that's pajamas. And it's so beautiful. And the material is gorgeous. And the cut of it is beautiful. She even has a matching. Yeah, there's so no point at all. super cute with her ribbon. And mm-hmm. as she goes to sleep, 
she starts to hear all these sounds, which to me sounded like a thousand ghosts in her room. Yes. And the second she turns on the light, the ghosts stop talking. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, that was the creepiest thing ever. I would mm-hmm. freak out if I heard that. I would freak out. I'd be like, oh, what totally. was that? And I and like she, you know, she says a little bit like in the very next scene when she's explaining it. Not the very next because they talk about some other stuff. But a few yeah. minutes later in the observation lounge, she does describe it and she says, Several other people said that they heard the same thing around the same time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have reported it, probably. I would have just thought it was me. But then hearing other people, I'd be like, the ship is haunted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't even believe in ghosts. 100%. And that would be my and that would be my interpretation. I'd be like, the ship's haunted. Give me a shuttlecraft. I'm out mm-hmm. of here. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Um, so she hears this, and she actually reports it in the staff meeting the next morning. She says 10 other people reported hearing voices at the same time that she did. But the sensors detect nothing. Troy senses nothing either. Um, and now in the middle of all this, Worf comes to to Picard to say that they're getting unusual readings 20,000 kilometers off the starboard bow. And it looks like a highly localized distortion of the space-time continuum. We've got this kind of blue swirl. So things are like, hmm, we haven't seen this before, but it feels familiar. It feels like we're leading down into some familiar territory. So as they walk out of the observation lounge into the bridge, which is just the next room over, um, mm. everybody goes to their seats and Riker immediately goes to stand next to Data and puts his yep. crotch right in his face. Captain Morgan. And I just wrote, I wrote I was that. Like, I wrote Riker does the Captain Morgan on Data again. <laughs> I was like, he didn't want to sit down like everybody else. No, he wanted to, he wanted to do that, huh? He had and to I do just... <laughs> the, yep. He had to do the crotch in the face. He's like, something yeah. important's happening. Let me put my crotch in your face so we can now investigate See, further. In this moment, Picard says something, which I suspect Data was saying it in his mind too. Back us off nice and slow. We'll <laughs> <laughs> just slowly back away from Riker's crotch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> this this scene is great though, because we see uh first of all, we see Ensign Row back in the pilot's chair with this yep. super cute haircut. She just looks so to- totally adorable mm-hmm. in this whole ep- every time they show this little scene, I'm like, oh, she's so cute. She is adorable. Um, Michelle Forbes kills. As yes. Ensign Rowe. Totally. Absolutely kills. Totally. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. And as you said, we're seeing this, this cool swirl. Um, and we're like, what, what exactly is happening? And then boom, suddenly this huge ship comes flying out. It just materializes in front of them in space. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the moment it does, all the power on the Enterprise shuts down. All the power. So, you know, Picard's like, Ensign Row, move us back us off. And Row is like, the maneuvering thrusters are offline. Like, we can't move. And the morph's like, oh, and by the way, the shields are down. And Jordy's like, yes. oh, by the way, all the main power is off. And the rest of the power, the auxiliary power, is also draining. And Data's yes. like, and by the way, that ship is on a collision course and will hit us in 36 seconds. I was like, yes. Ah! And Troy's like, we need to get out of here now, right? Terrifying. So hailing, hailing the ship doesn't work. Riker, as Captain Morgan says, why don't we decompress the main shuttle bay? Because that explosive force may push them out of the way. Um, which tells me that this whole trying to like blow out the door of the cargo bay and Beverly and Jordy holding onto a ladder just a little <laughs> bit was absolutely <laughs> bullshit. Because if it's going to thrust a whole ship forward, y'all were lying to us. Well, they Somebody weren't, in the, they weren't somewhere. in the main cargo bay. They were in one of the auxiliary cargo bays. Oh, excuse we're gonna, me. We're going to say just main cargo explosive. bay. I'm sorry, do the laws of physics apply in different places differently? <laughs> yes, because the main cargo bay is way bigger than all the other cargo bays, which I just okay. made that up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you sure did. Yeah, you I sure, sure did, friend. I sure did. So, I mean, we we all know that if you just barely touch a ladder during an explosive decompression, 
you're flying off into space and, and you're gonna worry die too hard about holding on because if you let go jordy can <laughs> scoop you up with one arm while he barely holds on too so it'll it's really fine. like a gentle fan you know what i would kill for a fan that strong because we've been in like the worst heat wave that california has ever been in in its history since the beginning of the universe and it's been horrific yeah, yeah, it's since, been since horrific. the volcanic eruptions all over the planet. This is the hottest yeah. that we know of. Mm-hmm. Um, so also, I- we don't get to run water either because the pipeline is broken. So that's also extra fun. Yeah, and we've <laughs> so- been in like a, a million years of drought. But I mm-hmm. can't complain because most of the time it's pretty awesome living here. So I'm not even going to complain. Yeah, because other people live other places, and I say that's their problem because this this place <laughs> is amazing. Um, so at this point on the ship. Yeah, Riker suggests like let's do this, you know, explosive decompression, and it'll push them out of the way or push out of, push us out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then Data chimes in and says, or we could use a tractor beam to just move this ship out of the way. And that's when I went, oh wow! So tractor beams can push and pull. That's different because in the past tractor beams have always pulled. They pulled it oh, to the right. They pulled right. it to the left. I never thought of that. You're totally right. But I was like, oh, now tractor beams can not tractor, but like repel repel beams that's Mm -hmm. different so okay Mm -hmm. now new new skill um yes and so then picard's like yes go with that at this point mind you we we have what like 10 seconds now till like Mm -hmm. utter death so Mm -hmm. Worf tries it and they do push the ship mostly out of the way unfortunately part of the ship does smash into the nacelle and then boom now we're back at where the episode started and exactly it did not take too long to get back there which i really appreciate they didn't take the whole episode to get back to that point it's like Five minutes into the episode or something. Ten minutes into the episode, and we're back. Yes. We're back at the at the ex, at the explosion point. Now, I gotta say, major, major shout out to the lighting department for these scenes. Because when the episode opens and when we're back here again, there's red light, like all the major lights are off on the bridge. It's just red light. It's very like danger, danger. It reminds mm-hmm. me a little bit of yesterday's Enterprise where mm-hmm. everything is like dimmer and darker and more battle-y, like battle bridge mm-hmm. Um, And I honestly didn't notice it until the very end of the episode when they end up like fixing this and then lights come mm-hmm. back on to normal. And I was like, oh, wait, were the lights out before? Like I didn't even notice. So major shout out to lighting department because they absolutely killed that. Um, now, but it starts all over again with like Captain's Log, Stardate 456.52.1. And like, we're back at the Typhon Expanse and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, here we go again. So we're back at the poker game. But this time, Beverly has this really strong sense of deja vu. And so does Riker. So we're like, oh, this is interesting because while it's the same series of events, it's like the people themselves are not exactly the same. Because there is some kind of an echo. There is some kind of a memory about what ha- what has happened before. And Beverly is starting to have this deja vu. Riker is starting to have this deja vu. Yes. And you're like, okay, but but Data is not. And Worf is not. And so they're kind of like, okay, what, what exactly is going on? And mm-hmm. Beverly gets called to sickbay to go and look at Jordy. It's the same things that happened before. And mm-hmm. she's doing the same kind of scans. And she's like, I really feel like I've done this before. Like, I feel yes. like this has happened before. And Jordy's like, I don't think so. And Beverly's like, okay. Here's here's something funny in this scene. Not in this scene, but about this scene. I just saw this meme the other day that was a picture of Jordy and Pulaski. Mm-hmm. And Pulaski goes, Jordy, I'm so sorry. You only have 10 to live. And Jordy goes, wait, 10 what? 10 months? 10 years? What is it? And then Pulaski goes, nine. <laughs> oh god 
my gosh. And I just thought it was so funny because it was like Pulaski's bed, bedside manner. It was really oh, funny. Yes. I mean, and so in this scene, we're that like, was her bedside manner. We've identified the problem. You're dying. And there's nothing we can do. Let's just go ahead and conserve power and turn off all the machines that monitor you now because, you know, dead man walking. Well, in this case, Beverly's like, have we had this conversation before? And this time, Jordy's like, I feel like we have. So now people are starting to experience deja vu. It wasn't just Beverly. Riker with the poker scene. Jordy in this scene was like, yeah, we have talked about this. So, of course, I did a deep dive on deja vu, which has always fascinated me because I just think it's like the coolest thing. I used to experience deja vu like all the time. Mm -hmm. Although some people interpret deja vu as a paranormal context, mainstream scientific approaches reject the explanation of deja vu as like precognition or prophecy. It's actually an anomaly of memory whereby despite the strong sense of recollection, the time and place and practical context um, of like the previous experience that like you're like, I feel like I've done this before, are believed to be like impossible. So two types of deja vu are actually recognized. There's pathological deja vu that's usually associated with epilepsy. Um, when usually prolonged or frequent or associated with other symptoms like hallucinations, may be an indicator of neurological or psychiatric illness. Um, the non-pathological type that's characteristic of like, quote unquote, healthy people are about two, two thirds of us have experienced deja vu. Um, cool thing, people who travel often or frequently watch films like the same TV show or film over and over again are more likely to experience deja vu than others. I'm not sure why the traveling at first I was like, maybe it's like crossing a bunch of time zones and your clock being all messed up and feeling like you've done something before. The research also does show that deja vu decreases with age, which is actually a really good sign because when you're young, your neural pathways are still fresh and the memories are tending to like overlap and like you feel like you've done it before when you haven't done that thing or been there before, which is actually very, or like had that conversation before. It's just sort of like a hiccup of your memory when you're young. But like by the time we're our age, our neural pathways are like pretty set in stone. So like there's no more of those like little hiccups and glitches. That explains it because I used to have it all the time as a kid. And I don't remember the last time I've had deja vu. Deja vu is a little bit of like your brain's like beta testing kind of going awry. So when mm. you're younger, it happens a lot more. Interestingly, there is something called jamais vu, which is the opposite of deja vu. It's the experience of being unfamiliar with a situation or a person that's actually very familiar. So jamais vu is totally the opposite of deja vu. I don't remember ever experiencing jamais vu where I've like been somewhere before and I'm like, no, I don't think, I don't remember ever being here or seeing this person mm. before. So I thought that was super interesting. I've always been fascinated by deja vu. I think it's just like the coolest thing. Um, yeah, that yeah. that's super interesting. And that, and the other thing I thought about was that, um, that condition of folia do, which is that like a, a shared delusion because mm, Beverly mm -hmm. asked the question to Jordy because Jordy's like, maybe it's just deja vu. And Beverly's like, about the same thing with both of us at the same time who's ever heard of two people having deja vu about the same thing at the same time right which would be more like folia do like a shared delusion oh, but this is not that's a, interesting yeah but this is not a delusion this is a memory that's not a memory you know it's, yes. it's so it's so interesting and that's like and i love i love the mystery of that of that in this episode because we as the viewer know well this has absolutely happened before but mm -hmm. they couldn't possibly know that because once time resets, most of their memories, like let's say 99% of it, 
is gone, but there's this little residue that's kind of just, it's in the background, but they can't articulate it and they don't know where it's coming from. And so, you know, we as viewers want to be like, you did it before, you did it before. But like, if you were in their shoes, how would you know that? How would you even come to that conclusion? Which amazingly, they do somehow come Mm -hmm. to that conclusion. But like, how would you ever come to that conclusion that, oh, the reason we are all experiencing this is because obviously we're in a time loop. Like, Exactly. It feels a little bit to me like when Beverly is in the the static warp bubble and remember me, Mm -hmm. and she's like, if there's nothing wrong with me, then there's something wrong with the universe. And I was like, really, girl? <laughs> it's you. I mean, this is the one instance that that was well, true. That's true, yeah. <laughs> you know, where it was like, holy shit, you have to be confident in your skills and yourself, like, to not think that there's something wrong with you, right? To but think yes. it's the whole entire universe that's messed yes. up, not you. So for for the, you know, there's, uh, in science, there is uh, a term called the parsimony principle, Um, It's also called Occam's razor that the most likely explanation of why something is happening is the one that makes the most sense. Right. So it's like, I would think if I were on the enterprise and we are all experiencing deja vu and experiencing the same memories, I might think like, uh, do you remember that stupid episode where Troy had to fly into that stupid like psychological thing and like tell the people circulating. Yeah, exactly. Are we all, Yes. Are we all um, like in some sort of shared dream or like are we experiencing mm-hmm. some sort of sleep yeah. loss or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah. That's I would what not I would think. be like, sleep loss. I would not be like, we've been doing this all over again and again and again. Like that's not the most parsimonious. That's not like, the simplest explanation. It's not the simplest However, explanation. However, it yeah. is absolutely the the explanation, which is interesting because you're right. It why maybe and we will give them the benefit of the doubt. The, the crew is pretty sharp. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they have run through all the entire gamut of sleep and time and all the stuff. And the only thing that makes sense in this scenario is mm-hmm. we must be caught in a time loop. And the, that, that's the only thing that can explain not only the feeling of deja vu for everyone on the ship pretty much at this point, but mm-hmm. also the ghost that we keep hearing at night mm-hmm. because Beverly does hear the ghost again that mm-hmm. night she and, does. and she immediately goes to Picard's quarters this time so she does diff- she does something different which I think is also really interesting because you know a lot of times in um Andrea and I have a sci-fi community on Clubhouse called Sci-Fi Matters Club and we talk a lot about about um time travel and kind of like you know can people change the past can they change the future whatever yeah and we talk about this whole principle of like whatever you change always gets changed back and why is that and all this stuff and my my hypothesis is always that people will make the same decisions so even if someone went back in time and got a second chance they would make the same decisions the second time because they're mm-hmm. the same person doing the same things and yes. what i love about this episode i love that which is pretty on point i mean that's our everyday mm-hmm. lives right we do the same things over and over on purpose yeah. what i love about this episode is that these people are actually taking different actions so beverly mm-hmm. hears the ghost this time and instead of just waiting till the next day and saying oh yeah other people came to sick bay and told me instead she immediately goes to picard so she's taking a different action with yes. the same set of of stimulus which i think is such interesting such an interesting choice as a person but mm-hmm. also as a viewer it's like oh she did it differently what's what's going to happen this time and so she goes and talks to Picard they have like a sweet moment together and basically he's like yeah i've been feeling deja vu too you know what tomorrow we're going to have Jordy run scans of everything up to top to bottom and i love that like yeah. automatically believed her just like before this is just like in remember me mm-hmm. just like in remember me it's like again 
Picard is a wonderful Starfleet officer and friend. He's like, something crazy is happening? I believe you. Let's check it out. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, I love this. And they did that before in the observation lounge when she said it Mm -hmm. in the first reset. She was like, I heard voices. And they were like, all right, scan everything. I mean, they just believe her, which is amazing. Also, which I think it's easy to do that, too. It's easy to be a good friend in the 21st century because it Mm -hmm. costs nothing to do a scan. It's like, computer, run a scan. Boom. There it is. It's it's doing it. Even Mm -hmm. if you doubt somebody, I'll be like, you know what? Just for shits and giggles, let's just run a scan anyway. Because the computer (laughs) can do it in like two seconds. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make, it's not like I have to go down to the river and like beat my laundry on a rock. It's like you throw it in the machine and the machine does it for you. Like it's, it's no labor at all. Right. Um, So they run a report and there's nothing unusual again in this meeting. Right. As far as the sensors are concerned, everything is copacetic. But again, their meeting is interrupted when Worf is like, there's something unusual happening outside the ship and the collision start, the collision begins all over again. And we're back to like, minute zero Mm -hmm. yep it's just a reset and we as viewers are like this is kind of cool right because like we're watching them die and then the next second they're like alive and playing poker again but also it's like but wait what is happening here Mm -hmm. because we as viewers are in on part of the mystery yes we know that they keep dying and resetting but we don't know why and we don't know what's going to be different or Mm -hmm. like you know and how they can fix it yes it's not like watching the murder happen at the beginning of the episode and then watching the other cast members like figure out who the murderer is Mm -hmm. right where it's Mm -hmm. like this one we're like well we only know part of the story which i think is super cool yeah that's a that's a really fun way to do it because we're in on the secret but then we're not Mm -hmm. in on the whole secret which keeps us Mm -hmm. engaged so this time totally this time we go back to the poker game now everyone is experiencing deja vu except for data um Mm -hmm. and yeah Worf calls it nipo and I was like, cool. Even the Klingons have a word right? for Right. Even That's the Klingons rad. have deja vu. And um, and this time Beverly comes into Nurse Agawa and is just like, is Jordy there? She's like anticipating. And she's like, no, he's not. Oh, he just walked in. And everyone's looking around, <laughs> like, what is going on? Right. Because at this point, know they're the all future. calling the cards. Right. They're all calling the cards. Like Dr. Crusher oh. starts off telling the cards and then Riker can call the cards before they're being drawn and then Worf is doing it and and Data's like the odds of this happening are extremely small yeah like (laughs) how are you guys doing this and they're like we don't know exactly this is a like uh uh uh-oh again super super fun super fun to see like that same scene but in a in a different way so Mm -hmm. this time when we go to sick bay we skip some of the things we've seen before but we get to see something new and we get to see um Jordy's actual like the ocular scan or whatever that she's mm-hmm. doing of him and it looks so cool he's got these like yeah. it, he's just light beams po- pointing to the sides of his head but it looks so cool like I love this scene I was like ooh, like technology ooh, and you know it's like scanning his brain or whatever it's just so freaking cool and I love that props department was doing all this and building all of this stuff well, before, 30 years before 3D printers can just print whatever the F you yeah. want. Mm-hmm. You know, like now it's like, I want a dog bowl with like little bones all around the sides and like a whatever, whatever, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, eight hours later, it's printed. Now, 30 years from now, it'll be like, it'll be printed in five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. But the prop movie and television props have been like storytelling for a hundred years before any 3D printing, and the fact that they make a bracket that shoots light into the side of LeVar Burton's face and, like, looks like it belongs in this universe, although we've never seen it before. Like, mm-hmm. Kevin and Rashawn's little terraforming machine mm-hmm. with the light yeah. beam. It's like, this kind of shit 
is just stuff that you make with like old appliances and plastic tubes and some tape. And it looks so real. Like that's why I've always wanted to work in like set dressing and like prop stuff because Mm -hmm. I love making things and I see this and I just go, okay, how would I have made that? Mm -hmm. Like it is just, it looks so good. So good. Yeah. It's super cool. Like, I mean, this, this episode, they just slayed with their props and everything and they didn't even need that many props, but the Mm -hmm. few that they had, even the the flowers in Beverly's room, just a few things placed here and there were just perfection. Yes. So we find out that Jordy is seeing these blurry after images that are making him really dizzy. Poor Jordy. That sounds freaking awful. Yeah. So Picard's like, all right, get away from high places. First of all, seriously, let's not go near the warp core or let's put a freaking Mm -hmm. force field around that just for everyone's safety. Um, (laughs) So Picard's like, all right, run some scans like of everything, Jordy, and figure out what's going on. Well, Beverly's back in her quarters. She's about to go to bed and she's not even like, messing around this time she knows the ghosts are coming she doesn't get out of her clothes she's doing it geordie mm-hmm. style where you wear your whole uniform bed mm-hmm, <laughs> she's still dressed mm-hmm. and she's got her tricorder out she's and the... still drinking her little champers though which yes, i was like okay in, in the cutest little cup of champagne the world. beverly yeah and uh <laughs> as soon as she hears the ghost she's like boom and she starts recording it on her tricorder which i was like that's really cool and then as soon as she's done recording she comes over to engineering where data and geordie are scanning stuff because picard had ordered them to earlier and she's like Jordy, I just heard some voices. I don't know what's going on. And Jordy's like, yeah, our sensors just picked up something. And I was like, that's different too. Because before it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, the sensors didn't pick up anything. But mm-hmm. this time they're scanning specifically for odd things when mm-hmm. it happens. And their scanner yep. picks it up. And next thing you know, Beverly is down in engineering. Like, what is going on? What is the yes. deal? They play this recording. And what I love about this scene is that Data is able to distinguish just with his own ears. Yep. Oh, there's like, a thousand people talking wait a minute wait a minute it's yeah it, mm-hmm, it's it's us it's the enterprise crew it was just like whoa because the computer what can't even do that and i yeah i love these little moments when we see that data's data's capacity as an android is superior to the whole freaking enterprise 100 percent slayed yeah he really did he really did um speaking of the little details i love beverly with her little glass of champagne yeah it looks like a champagne flute, but the but glass tiny. itself is so tiny that I was like, ah, I wonder if she's having like a little port or something before. But anyway, she puts it down on the nightstand each time and she hears the voices. And when she turns on the lights, her hand knocks the glass down and it falls down and breaks in every loop. This time she goes to put it down on the nightstand and she's like, no, 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 no. She gets like weirded out and she puts it on the table across the room. Mm-hmm. She hears the voices, whips out her tricorder detects the voices which i was like good detection work nancy drew way to go girl Mm -hmm. like get capture capture whenever you can right and as she comes over to jordy and data and rushes down to main engineering she grabs her lab coat because every doctor needs to solve mysteries with her lab coat on in main (laughs) engineering and as she rushes out of the room her lab coat hits the glass and it falls down and breaks anyway Mm -hmm. and i was like oh those little touches are so cool just like that little yes because you're, you're like, like it, it now maybe it they feels like no matter anything. what you do mm-hmm. yes no matter what you do that glass is going to end up broken or whatever the out you know and the like explosion is going to explode exactly if that bla- if that glass always gets broken even when you try to avoid it then maybe the enterprise always explodes even when you try to avoid it and you're like ooh, yes that was, that was just some really good foreshadowing yes yes so data you know they analyze it data's like it belongs to the enterprise crew so now they have to present facts to the remaining senior staff and it's like 3 a.m or whatever and i love that beverly's like i'm sorry for getting you all up so early this couldn't wait till 0700 so turns Mm -hmm. out 
the most parsimonious principle that they came up with, or the most parsimonious answer that they came up with, is that the Enterprise appears to be caught in a temporal causality loop. Now we get the Elkars panel. I love it. Data, you know, is showing like it's a rift in the space-time continuum. We go along our time loop and then something happens that sets us back and we reset. Um, and they're like, we don't know what causes this, but, you know, in a, a something that has to cause a rip in space-time is usually something that's like high energy, like a major explosion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we know as viewers, so it's like, ah, it's the explosion of the ship mm-hmm. near that Tykens rift that mm-hmm. like causes them to reset Mm -hmm. right so data's like okay we have pulled out like three selected bits of talking you know from Mm -hmm. what beverly was able to capture yeah yeah and Worf is like okay Worf says a rift in the space-time continuum and data says impact in 36 seconds and picard says all hands abandon ship all hands and then dead which is also how freaking creepy and horrifying would that be to hear sharice yeah, I was thinking the same thing when he played those three c- clips and you just see everyone's reaction. I mean, they're playing it cool because they're professionals, but you just see Picard kind of like take a deep breath and sit back a little bit. You're just like, oh, yeah, what would ever, you know, they're trying to think what could ever happen that would make me say abandon ship that would tell everybody on the mm-hmm. ship to get out of here. And it sounded mm-hmm. like an explosion at the end. And they were just talking about like what could cause a rift, maybe a huge high energy explosion like the warp core breaching. So they're mm-hmm. all like, okay. Sounds like the Enterprise is going to explode and we're not going to make it. So mm-hmm. how can we avoid that? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I would feel in this moment, Andrea. I don't know if I would be like, yes, we're going to fight her. If I'd be like, oh, crap, we're all going to die. Like, I don't know how I would react, but I would have some kind of big reaction. That's for sure. I agree with you. And I love that Worf and Riker are kind of both of those voices. So they're like, what if we just turn around now? And Riker, you know, uh, and... Picard was like, no, no, if we turn around now, like, for all we know, that could be the thing that, like, starts the loop all over again. Like, we don't know. That could be the thing that leads to our destruction, you know, right. and, and, and Worf is like, let's fight like, it. And it's like, yeah. fight what? Like, what are we going to fight? Yeah. Worf's <laughs> not like, everything let's is fight phasers it. at ready. And Riker's yeah. like, let's turn around and run. And Picard's like, let's not change anything because we don't have enough data to know, should we go forward? Should we go backwards? He said, let's stay on this course until we have a reason to change it. We're mm-hmm. not going to start second guessing ourselves. But let's just be ready and keep our eyes open. And because they're having this conversation at like 3 a.m. when they normally would be having it at 9 a.m., they do. Mm -hmm. They don't know this, but they do have a few hours before the explosion happens. Yes. So they've got some time to figure something out. They and they do. They hypothesize that they can send a message forward into the next loop in Data's positronic net. So he may be able to just get like a word or two in, like two moon circling instead of just saying hydrogen for fuck's sake. But like (laughs) they. They that episode, by the data. way, that we're referring to is a skipper. Uh, it's skip a, that episode. so, you know what? Watch this one. Skip that one and watch this one again <laughs> in its place because it's just that good, okay? Yes. And that one is just that bad. But they fit data with like a little pad on an armband, kind of like a little mm-hmm. touch paddy thing like yeah. on an armband. And I was like, okay, okay. Now the crisis happens again. We're going to destruction. And at the last second, data goes, beep, 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 and then the whole thing blows up. So it's like, oh, First of all, what what did he program? Did it yes. get through? Like, we don't know. And the we do, whole thing starts again. We do get a little glimpse when Jordy's messing with Data's brain to set up this whole armband thing. We get a glimpse inside of Data's positronic net, which I always love. And this time oh, I watched it, I totally was like, love that. I want that for a cosplay. I want that. And I want the little lights. I want all the LEDs flashing. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I just put that on oh, my, you mental, need, you need that. my mental yep. list. 
Um, yeah. Yep. So it all explodes. Exactly. Not only are we thinking, what did he program? But I was also thinking, did it work? Did he have enough time? Because when mm-hmm. he programmed it, it was like three seconds before the explosion. So he he's a fast typer. But you see him like, boom. And you're like, did 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 he hit enter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> did he submit exactly <laughs> exactly i mean he's typing at super fast speed it's like beep, 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 and then done and the whole thing blows up yeah Ooh, and now it starts again and we're like okay we're in like what the fourth loop of this happening we're and in like, the fourth reset and this reset is actually my least favorite as far as um what's called the mise-en-scene which is the like the framing of every shot so oh. where the cameras are versus where the actors are what's in the foreground what's in the background um, I feel like they were running out of options at this point. They, they really were. They really were. And, and you know, um, but this scene, I, I've always thought this when I watch, I love this episode, but I've always thought this about the, this particular reset is I hate the mise-en-scene because they're like right in the back of someone's head or they're mm-hmm. like way at the top of the ceiling, like looking down yeah. at everybody. Or there's a scene in Sick Bay when it's Jordy and Beverly and they're zoomed up to like LeVar Burton's nose hairs mm-hmm. and then they zoom <laughs> back really slowly, but they zoom back to the ground. So at yeah. the end, you're looking straight up at Beverly and Jordy. And it's just like every scene, like almost every scene in this fourth That's reset so funny. makes me I feel didn't extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't really. I noticed that like the shots were different, but I was like, well, they did different shots for everything. They did. I actually, they did. I actually like one of the versions, one of the, one of the things that happens in this storyline, this fourth version, I like best. Yes, for sure. Um, so there, you know, we're like back the, at the, 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 the framing. Yeah, oh, no, <laughs> I, don't I, like that I totally, but yeah, I'm going to rewatch this episode tonight just because it's so great. And I, and it's also kind of a delight to just sit and watch a TNG episode without having to pause to take notes every mm-hmm. two seconds. So I'm yeah. like, it is kind of nice to get to just for funsies, just watch it again. Now, um, they're playing poker and Beverly's like, wait, a queen, a four, an ace and a jet or whatever, but mm-hmm. they all get a three and they're like, that's weird. And then. They all get different cards, but the, each one of them gets a three of a kind. So they all get a three and then a three of a kind. Yeah. And so it's like, like Riker gets what? three kings and then Worf gets three eights or whatever. Exactly. And then they're like a three and three threes of a, you know, and three of a kind. What is that? Yeah. And that's Beverly's like, I could have sworn I knew what the cards were going to be. And Riker's like, me too. And Worf's like, me too. And Data's like, that's weird. <laughs> the odds of this happening are very small again where you're like okay Agreed. now jordy comes in to see beverly and they do the diagnostic and they're like okay like it's these ghost images again um and so she goes to you know beverly talks to picard or actually she has picard come to them and shows the cool machine again mm-hmm. and he's like why don't we do a diagnostic on the subsystems to check for anything that's not quite right and so you know picard sends data and jordy off to main engineering to go do that and as they're working on these systems checks everything is coming up with the number three it's like that's odd Mm -hmm. and then they're like boop 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 beep attack like a a decion field has just been detected and moments later beverly comes to tell them about the voices now this is my favorite version of this one because here they are working and you just get beverly calming to say I just heard a bunch of strange voices in my room and I whipped out my tricorder and recorded them. And they're like, come down and we'll compare notes. And she's like, okay, I'm on my way. And then you hear the glass break and they're like, are you okay? And she's like, uh, I'm fine. Like she's totally weirded out. She's like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And heads down. Mm-hmm. And I love that the glass is breaking. Break. Like, yep. We only see main engineering. We have no idea where she put it, right? She could have put it in the China cabinet for all we know, but I'm guessing <laughs> she put it back on the table and hit it with her lab coat again. But I love that little touch of having the same thing happening over and over and over again. Yeah, same, um, same. Yeah. 
So next we're in observation lounge and they're all talking about their different theories. And they, and Jordy mentions that we think we sent ourselves a message from our previous loop because what else could explain the fact that we're seeing all these threes? It's really mm-hmm. weird. And data's like, yes, to date we've seen, I forget the number he says, but over 2000 conspicuous yes. examples of the number three, not just like threes lazing about, but like the three and three of a kind, like yes. threes everywhere. And so he's like, threes yeah. all over. Yeah. And Jordy's like, the, we've scanned everything in the ship from top to bottom. And the only thing that is unusual is what's going on in data's positronic net. That's the only thing we can mm-hmm. see. This decion field resonance that's been built up. So they're like, what do you think the three signifies? And here's the the only problem with their genius plan is that they knew they would only have enough capacity to folk to to program in maybe like a word, and they didn't mm-hmm. know how that word would be interpreted. So the word that data programmed in really quickly was three. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what that he was like. Yes. Do, 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 do. It was three, and mm-hmm. and now they're seeing all these threes, but now they don't know what three means. So they're yes. like, okay, and should Riker's we do a- like, should we? level three diagnostic <laughs> yeah exactly like, okay. like sure, why not and then, why, I mean, why not? not and then they're like yeah. jordy's like we're gonna run the number three through all of our like cryptology software on the computer maybe there's some it matches with something, something? i mean it's literally the number three what could that be and it's the number three that data sent to data so really it's like a, it's like an internal joke mm-hmm. so yes. i just thought i love i love the <laughs> By the way, I love that to normal people, it's an inside joke, but to data, it would be an internal joke. Like, that's so perfect. It works on at least three different levels. Like, it's amazing. It's an internal joke. Yes. It's an inside joke for data. That's hilarious. Yeah, that was just a misspeak on my part. But yeah, that's how data would have said it. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to criticize you. But no, you know what not I mean? at all. I like only to data would be an internal joke as well. But yeah, it's like he made like an in joke or like an in comment. Now, one thing that I do like is that they were like, uh, how do we know we haven't sent like a million messages to ourselves from the past? Like, how do we mm-hmm. know we're not just doing this over and over and over again? And I love that one of them says, I don't have any like deja vu, like yeah, I think memory of doing this. Jordy, like, have you, do you, re- do you remember doing this? And he's like, no. Yes. And she's like, me neither. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's a good sign. That's probably a good sign that like, we haven't really done this before. Um, so again, the, the temporal causality loops happens all over again. Um, the, the thing in front of the ship materializes all over again. And again, Commander Riker, as Captain Morgan, suggests decompressing the main shuttle bay so that the explosive forces can push the Enterprise out of the way. A couple things. One, it looked like the Bozeman was coming straight at them. Yes. So if you like, if you do explosive forces, you're just going to push yourself towards the Bozeman even faster. Well, no, but... on the, and not, it depends on where you're pushing, right? If you're pushing, if you're decompressing something on your right side, it's going to push you to the left. Yeah, or if you decompress something like, above you, like it pushes you down. I feel like the main cargo bay, like the main shuttle bay is like at the exact center back right. of the Enterprise. But it's the cargo bay, not the shuttle bay. Okay. Which who knows yeah, where, the like... heck, where the heck that is. They have like 27 cargo bays, but yeah, it's not the shuttle bay, which I know what you're talking about. It is directly in the back of the ship. That would, that, yeah, I which I was like, wouldn't them. that just push you into the Bozeman <laughs> it's, faster? It's, it's the car- like, oh, it's now the it's cargo bay, which I'm assuming. Instead of 36 seconds, now it's four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm assuming like, uh, the cargo bay is on the side of the ship, not directly in front or directly yeah, behind. Yeah, that just kind of moves them. Yeah. Right? Now, data suggests the tractor beam again, and Picard says, make it so. And in that moment, This is when Data understands, when all of it downloads for him. However, did you notice 
that the amount of time that he took to like realize everything was like 40 seconds. We would have been halfway through the poker game by now, buddy. Like, like we would have died and gone all the way back to the poker game. We didn't re we didn't give him another armband. So he doesn't have time to tell himself again, like what to do for the next move. Like you have to get it done now, buddy. Yeah. It has to get done this time. Otherwise we're back at like two loops ago where like, they just are starting to realize. (laughs) So he takes a, inordinately long amount of time <laughs> to be like he takes wait. 18 minutes to look to his left to see Riker mm-hmm. standing there and he goes the tractor beam will be unsuccessful decompressing main shuttle or main cargo bay and he goes and just like shuts off whatever Worf is doing yes and moves the yes. ship out of the way and the second it's out of the way all the lights come back up all the power gets restored yep. and all is and well that was when I that's when I noticed, I was like, wait, were the lights ever off? Because you just, it's just this like pulsing red light and it mm-hmm. feels so perfect with the setting that I was like, oh wait, there's normally just like warm yellow lights in the room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the ships merrily, narrowly miss each other and all's well. So Data explains how he knew to go with Riker's suggested course of action because he happened to look over at Riker in that moment and see the three pips on his collar and realize that that's where the number three has been coming from all this, all these times to indicate that you should go with Riker's Riker's decision instead of Data's suggestion, which was a very good suggestion. It just, you know, Riker's was the one that got them out of the pickle. And Um, the thing is only Data could have deciphered that and only in that moment only in the moment yes. before they died there was no other point of time where yes. he would have realized that so it was a very very tricky message he sent to himself well done data it's kind of like going on a scavenger hunt and being like what am i looking for it's like when you see it you'll know it's like well that doesn't help me mm-hmm. right but like yes when you see it you'll know so when he looked up he saw the three and he was like oh go with number three like the three's choice so a uh, quick check with starfleet records showed that they were in the loop for 17.4 days so they've lost two and a half weeks sorry yeah two and a half weeks of time and that's terrifying and then this other horrible thing happens the bozeman hails them it's a soyuz class ship which hasn't been in service for over 80 years captain morgan bates hails to see if the bozeman can be of any assistance and it's played by kelsey grammar which is lovely to see kelsey grammar i love him on fraser i like seeing him here and the Picard says that the Enterprise has been caught in temporal causality loop for 17 days, but Captain Bates dismisses that. He's like, that can't be. Like, we just left the Starbase three weeks ago. Which is like, oh, Yeah, because... Feels like, like yesterday's Enterprise again. Yes, they they left the Starbase in their memory three weeks ago, and they haven't aged, obviously, but it's yeah. been over 80 years, and every person they know and love has probably died. They yep. are in these super fly outfits from, like, original series updated outfits and they look so good like i love that touch right there that to me i was just like old school but I like new that school. Was, i thought that was so cool but then i realized i was like kelsey Gr- captain morgan bates looks so grumpy and i was like i'd be grumpy too if i had to wear a uniform with a turtleneck on it all day long. <laughs> I'm always so cold, cranky. So I would I would love the turtleneck because I bet I feel like the <laughs> ships would be cold, even though there's like all the like condi- like control. No, no, no. It would be. It would be at like 62 degrees all the time. It, it really would be. would be. And I would be I would be the the per, the the officer in the turtleneck. Somehow I'd have a <laughs> turtleneck you, version I could totally of every see uniform. You. I could totally see you 
walking on the bridge for your comm dude, like your duty, yeah. your tour of duty at the con, and you are the only person on the whole ship that's wearing like a TOS uniform. <laughs> I was straight up turtleneck, straight up. And then, I would just always dress like a Klingon because they have all people, the layers, and, always warm. And people and would look at you like. Uh, there'd be a lot of looks exchanged silently. You're like, I'm in regulation uniform, but they're like, that uniform has been out of date along with the Soyuz class ship. That's a like, Soyuz that was a class lot. uniform. And what's your point, Incense? It's a Starfleet uniform um, and I'm cold. Yeah. I'd be cranky too if I were if I were Kelsey Grammer. So, so I did yeah, have this question a- for you though. How would you feel if you were on the Bozeman? If it's been 80 years, to you it's been three weeks. And then it's just like, mm-hmm. hey, Andrea, surprise. It's been 80 years. I would be devastated. I would be completely devastated because everyone I know and love would be dead. The only person who I might know in air quotes that would still be alive is like my brother's son is two years old right now. So maybe he's, and actually with the time I did the calculations, they've been in the loop for over 90 years. So even still, it's like, even still, like if my nephew, who's two today, he'd be were alive, he'd be like ninety two. Yeah, it's like he he might have like been raised his whole life hearing about how like his aunt was lost on a ship, like in space or whatever, but like never actually like remember me, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like I would just be really devastated. I would mourn a great loss. Um, and I think that like we've had several people have these questions to face. Like we've had the yesterday's Enterprise crew. Mm-hmm. You know, that have had to like, mm-hmm. they've had to kind of grapple with that, but then they went back into their own time. So it's so like, it okay, fine. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like, we also had like the um, neutral zone, those people who were like crypto frozen yep, and like brought back and like, they really are stuck here. And it's like, but that's, you know, been 400 years. So there's even like less chance of anybody knowing. How would you feel? I wouldn't believe them. Um, and I don't mm. know how much it would take for them to convince me. I would be in the most extreme form of denial for as long as mentally was possible mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just too horrible of a thought to yeah. to comprehend and I don't really know how I would process it. So I think I would just try to avoid processing it and be like, it's a lie. It's a lie. Show me all the proof. And I would have to see pictures of my kids and grandkids, which by the way, I don't have kids, but let's just pretend, you know, future science, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Pictures of my kids and grandkids and what I like, I'd have to see it all. For them to, yeah. they would have to convince me that it's been more than three weeks, mm-hmm. and um, and I don't really know. Like, I kind of hope, like in in neutral zone, we had this idea of one of the women going on with her life, the the woman who was all like, "But what about my son and my husband yeah. and whatever?" You know, yeah. like for her to be like, "Okay, now I've got another chance. Like, let me go on with my life and live a life that would make them proud." I hope that I would get to that point. I don't know how long it would take me to get to that point, and I do think. I would spend a lot of time in the holodeck, um, yeah. just having lots of recreations. I would be stuck in the past. Like I just kind of doing be... like the Wesley Crusher, watching his dad talk the same yeah. tune over I'd, and over again. I'd be extremely unwilling to move forward, I think, in like a healthy way. And I don't know how long it would take before I'd be okay. Yeah. I think I would spend a lot of time trying to see if like i could somehow go back to the typhon the the typhon's rift or whatever mm, it's do called. like a yesterday's enterprise and like go back and have it be my time yeah i would spend a lot of time doing that so here's something to pretzel your brain it pretzled the hell out of my brain and i've watched this episode a million times and i never thought about it until i watched this yesterday for the 
to like review for the podcast. The Enterprise colliding with the Bozeman has sent them back into their loop mm-hmm. for 17 days. But the Bozeman's been in there for 90 years. What have they been colliding with to set them back to the beginning of their loop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought about that too. Um, not that they had to necessarily collide with anything, not that they had to explode with anything. It could have been some other type of high energy discharge that happened around them at that time. Mm-hmm. But I did think that they've been caught in this loop for over 90 years. Something happened to them. And then the Enterprise yeah, like, got like sucked into whatever was already happening to them. Oh. That That's kind of how I thought of it. And that's how and oh, then that's they a cool got hypothesis. stuck. Okay, yeah, because I was like, but the Enterprise has only been doing this little song and dance routine for 17 days. Right. What has been happening? Like, what explosion has been blowing the Bozeman back to the start of its loop? And also, how long is their loop? Because the Enterprise's loop is like two days, maybe. It's like the poker. Yeah. That's at night. And then the next morning, they've got the... So it's really Mm -hmm. like an 18-hour period. Yeah, it's not very long. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's like a day and a half that they've been replaying. Now, because it's a time loop, you know, it could be like they're they're doing the same like three weeks over and over again or the same month or the same year. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, that's that true. that really pretzeled me because I was like, wait, what's what's with the Bozeman been? It, what's causing the Bozeman like explosion to get mm-hmm. thrown back to the start of their loop? Because the Enterprise has only been there for 17 days. So what was the other 90 years? But anyway, yeah, I don't think it has to be an explosion. But there's another good second question of like, how long is their loop? Right. Exactly mm-hmm. what you said, because the Enterprise's loop is a day and a half and the Bozeman's loop could absolutely have been three weeks and they do the it same could, three weeks well, over and know, over. That's would crazy. Make, it would make more sense that like they don't they're not out of the loop. Like they haven't found a way out of the loop because maybe their loop is like five years. So you have so many experiences that the the likelihood of like having deja vu, if you do the same 18 hour day six times, right. it's only like three or four things that you're doing. You're having a right. poker game. Right. You're going to, to sick bay. You're going to bed. You're going to the observation lunch for the staff meeting in the morning, and then the, the and explosion explode. starts. So it's like mm-hmm. four things, right? So you do four things over and over again, sure. But if you do seven hundred things, yeah, you might or not seven thousand things, mm-hmm. you might never notice. So, like, how long That's is there? Mm. Anyway, I love this episode so much. I know we've said a bunch of times that we wish we could like watch some episodes in like one point five x speed just to speed them up, but this <laughs> is one I wish we could like slow down because it's so good. I just want to soak up. Every moment of it, I love, this is one of my top five episodes. Mm -hmm, How about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, my final thoughts were in my notes I wrote, this episode is perfection, period. It really is. It really, really is. Well, I feel like we can't get any higher than this. So on that note, next week, we're reviewing season five, episode 19, The First Duty. Guys, thanks so much for listening and hanging with us. Uh, We'll catch you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.